You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. of the land, womankind arise! Women on the Line, a current affairs program devoted to women's voices, covering a diversity of women's interests and hearing women's perspectives on current affairs. Militantly, never you fear! Erosion of human rights leads directly and inevitably to erosion of human security. We do not accept the denial of our rights because the right to have a say over our country is our life. Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio 855am. And streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Um, thanks to Anxadelia for the informa- info- informative R on drug law reform activism. Um, Queering the Air is presented on the traditional lands of the Kulin Nation. I wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land that we continue to live, work, love and learn from. I would like to pay my respects to the elders past and present and extend this respect to any other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are listening in. Um, we're going to back announce songs now. You just listened to Chelsea Bridge by Billy Strayhorn. That was the first song. Um, and the second song is? Lady Sings the Blues, which is a cover of Billy Holiday by Mama Alto. How amazing was that? Um, today is a very special show. We've got um, Iris as a guest and mentor helping me. Um, I'm doing the, um, the presentation today. Um, we also have a feature on Creatix Tiara. Hey. Hello. Um, you should name yourself. No, you haven't oh, said what your name is. I'm Devana, by the way. That's right. Thanks. <laughs> and we've got Iris as well. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good, good. So back to Tiara. Um, we, we shall speak about her childhood, her art, race, structural barriers, tips for succeeding in the media industry and her upcoming performance. Um, Tiara focuses on creative arts, media, technology, games, and community cultural development. She explores ideas around identity, liminality, belonging, and social justice. She's been involved in a large range of organizations and causes in the US, um, Australia, and Malaysia. Do not ask her the question, where are you from, as any possible response is deeply insufficient. She's currently based in Melbourne, but open to possibilities from any corner of the globe. So we're going to get on straight to the interview. Hey. Cool. Okay. As a child in your website, you mentioned feeling othered and finding refuge in conveying your thoughts to paper. Can you tell us a little bit about this? So I grew up in... Oh, now we're getting to the where you're from question. <laughs> I grew up in Malaysia. I was born and raised there as a child of Bangladeshi immigrants. And in Malaysia, the way they set up, there's a whole like racial quota system happening. So it's like Malays, Chinese, Indian, and other which they may or may not recognize at any given point. Mm. And there's also, there still is like a lot of anti-Bangladeshi sentiment because there's a perception that, oh, they're all illegal immigrants and they're here, mm. so, you know, the typical stealing our jobs, stealing yeah. women, blah, blah, blah. And so I was dealing with a lot of backlash because of that. And so it's often just very isolated in school or get, like school especially was horrific for me. And my main way of, expressing myself really was writing like I've been on a computer ever since I was a baby and 
it just like felt easier for me to just like write out my feelings or write whatever story I had going on. Like my mom still has a poem I written when I was six or something like that. And mm. you know, when when there was literally nothing else to do in my town and not really anyone to hang out with for extended periods of time, the internet was my savior and writing came easily to me. Where did you publish your first pieces of writing? Like Tumblr or did you use Blogspot? Oh, this um, is Blogspot? like day before any of those. Like I, ve- I remember there was this one website in the mid-90s. It was like a kid's website and it took like submissions from whoever. So I wrote a couple of pieces. I think that's sort of the first thing. And then this was when GeoCities was a big thing. And so I made fan fiction, specifically Savage Garden fan fiction. Savage Garden, like I'm a fan? such a fan. That's actually half the reason I moved to Australia. Wasn't the main singer? <laughs> yeah, the main singer was Australian, right? Yeah, I they're both from Brisbane, and that's actually why I moved half the reason was because I was in love. Yeah, so it's like Savage Garden fandom was where I started wow. like writing. Wow, that's amazing. What exactly about Savage Garden struck you as a kid? Was that just, song, you know, that you know the one, right? They're like walking to that city. It's kind of like... I mean, um, that's all this. Also. <laughs> in the deeply, madly, truly. Truly, madly, deeply, yeah. Truly, yeah. madly, deeply, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I wish I could remember what it was. I think it's probably songs like To the Moon and Back, where as an angsty teenager, <laughs> that felt like that expressed that feeling of alienation and loneliness. And I just like loved their lyrics and just have had a long love affair with them ever since. Darren Hayes, I highly doubt you're listening, but hi. <laughs> no, he does talk a lot about feeling alienated and cut off. He really does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so was writing the start of your identity as an interdisciplinary artist? Ooh. Because you do a lot of different types of media. I do, yeah. And I think, I don't think I ever understood quite what interdisciplinary arts was mm. at the time. Because, mm. you know, when growing up, it was just like, you pick a thing, and then you focus on that. Specialize. We had Special- this conversation. Yeah, like specializing. And no one like really had this idea that you could be multiple things, really. And I thought, okay, well, I'm good at writing, so I might as well just be a writer. So, you know, <laughs> known at school as the writer and then did like a youth journalist program after I graduated and then went mm. to uni for creative writing among other things. But I think the interdisciplinary part started because I when I, I did my bachelor's at QUT in an interdisciplinary program. Okay. Which uh, one was this? It was the creative industries interdisciplinary. So the idea was that instead of just majoring in the one thing, mm. you pick like two, I think two or three th- sub-majors. And so mine was creative writing. And the other one was arts management because I had a mentor type tell me I could be pretty good at it. Okay. How I'd interesting. S- yeah, and I, I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I actually enjoyed that much more than I did the writing classes because it was much more practical. Yeah. And I think along the way, you know, I started getting into performance art after I graduated uni. At first, I took burlesque classes for the hell of it. Yeah, I was wow. like, oh, I don't think I'll be in a country anymore. Let me do one naughty thing before I leave. <laughs> and then I just hung around and kept doing it. Mm. And I find that ju- the interdisciplinary approach works a lot for me because it helps strengthen each other like you know the writing helps figure out what my performance bit could be and the performance bit helps me express some idea that maybe writing that suffice and it's kind of been the guiding philosophy behind my work is I have this thing I want to talk about or express Mm. what is kind of my best way to do that or what is the most interesting way 
I have to do that. And hence, you know, looking into games as, because it's interactive and mm. gives people an experience they may not just get from watching passively or experimenting with video music to see what that's like. It's very interesting you say that. I feel like um, if you look at people's biographies, like the internet personal brands, their biographies, yeah, it's like, yeah. now I'm a burlesque dancer, but I'm also a writer, but I'm also an actress, but I'm also like into tech, I do coding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like in today's world, um, to really be someone that stands out, you kind of have to have multiple identities. Oh, yeah. Which all contribute to the larger picture of your personal brand. Um, do you feel like... Because you have an interdisciplinary approach and you're dabbling in burlesque and writing and performance, that you kind of are kind of conforming to that trend? <laughs> conforming by non-conforming. By, by, but I mean, initially you were trying to non, you weren't conforming to anything. But now that is the approach a lot of people take. Well, I was doing it before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> before it sold out, yeah. Before it sold out. No, I mean, I wasn't I was like... there at the start. <laughs> right, exactly. I invented it. No, um... I think for me, it wasn't I, the idea of, oh, I have to be multiple things. I think it's mm. more that just that's how I operate. Mm. I am the sort of person who likes to do all the things. I, like Experiencing things is one, one of my biggest passions. Mm. So I like to try different things. Yeah. Sometimes I try them once and like, okay, I'm done. Sometimes I'm like, oh, this is fine. I'll keep doing it for like a while. Mm. And so it's just something that comes naturally to me. And so when people talk about like, oh, you need to specialize. Oh, you need to focus on this one project like that. I can't, that, that doesn't work. I've tried doing that before, then I burn out. Whereas like dabbling in a couple of different projects, especially since a lot of stuff in the arts isn't very long-term anyway. Yeah. And so you, like, you do this thing and it lasts for about like a few months and then, then what? Mm. So you move on to the next thing or you're like yeah. this one project leads to another project. And so I just find that doing doing all the things basically it's what keeps, gets me out of bed in the morning. Mm. It keeps me interested. It keeps me going. Yeah. And it just works with my brain better. Um, do you feel like you're constantly um, taking on new identities? Is it like a learning experience for you? For example, um, you mentioned burlesque. Yeah. How you st- just stuck to that? Are you still doing that with different art forms? Have you have you just found your niches and you're like, okay, I've found my identities. I'm going to stick with them. Oh. Or are you still like exploring new I mean, I don't know if I would stake my identity on any one given project. Okay. I think there's a difference between this is the thing I'm doing now and this is how I'm going to identify myself. Mm. Like a common through line in the things that I do, it's not necessarily, oh, I'm a burlesker now or, oh, I'm a writer now or I'm whatever now. It's like I am someone who uses creativity to express things about my identity and my experiences thereof. And so the specific form that that looks like doesn't necessarily matter as much. Yeah. So it's kind of, for me, any stake on my identity tends to be more about why I do the thing that I do rather Mm. than what is it that I'm doing. So I might be wrong, but the way I see it is it's, you learn about yourself and yeah. the place you're at and your mental headspace by doing all these different things. Exactly. Types. That's actually like a really good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you so check out um, Tiara's website. It's really good. You can see uh, the plethora of skills that she has. Um, it's mind-boggling. I was so overwhelmed. I'm, I was like, how can <laughs> anyone know so many things? Um, but uh, the next question is, um, in your website, you say explicitly... Um, Sparking collaborations and career paths by connecting people. This is your superpower. Can you talk a little bit about this um, and why you say that as opposed to being, you know, um, a writer or dabbling in burlesque? Why Why are those not your superpower? Why is it the collaborate, like connecting people? Why is that your superpower? 
I mean, for one thing, I'm not like a award-winning writer, and the burlesque <laughs> yet. probably doesn't think yet. Who knows? Over the burlesque scene, I've been exiled from the local burlesque scene, and so I don't oh, think no. they'll give me an award in time soon. But so I don't know if I could call that my superpower. But just because of all the spaces that I've been in, you know, both literally and also just in the various scenes that I'm part of, I get to meet all of these interesting people. And I love connecting them with each other. Like I often see, like you and you should hang out and do a thing, and then they go do a thing, and then they get like really famous. Or like you should try this thing I just heard about or put on Facebook. Like, hey, I saw this opportunity. Maybe one of you will appreciate it, and then they do it, and then they succeed. So I call it kind of my superpower just because of how. Many friendships and creative collaborations have mm. managed to spark. Are they kind of like a little fairy godmother, which I enjoy doing? <laughs> What is it about that which gives you so much gratification? Is it seeing other people succeed, or is it seeing the build up, the build up of a community of like-minded people, or is it? Oh wow, this is like more thought than I've ever given to. This. I'm interrogating you. We talk. You are. About you're like this. very philosophical. Um, <laughs> I think part of it is that I'm the sort of person who wants all of my friends to get along. Like one of my biggest wishes, typical is Libra, I, <laughs> baby. Like I guess, like have one of my biggest dreams to just have this giant party that everyone I know comes uh-huh. and hang, hangs out and meets each other. Um, but yeah, I think like part of it is the kind of gratifying feeling of making someone's dream come true, or like I'm the thing that helped them do. This thing, like you know, I, was, I grew up watching Oprah. You know how <laughs> Oprah does the whole like fairy yeah. godmother, like yeah. you now have ten thousand dollars. We've paid your debt, and you have a free apartment, whatever. Right? You have a car. I feel like that kind of thing. Like I want to do that. It just makes me happy. Like yay, dreams coming true, and cool people meeting each other, and this is really exciting. <laughs> That's really interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, the Oprah an- analogy, yeah, I now I I can picture it in my head as well. Um, so now we're gonna go into a new another song. Um. And you, you're listening to Queering the Air on Three CR Community Radio, and that was what by Leaf. Um, today on Queering the Air, we're talking to Creatix Tiara. Hello, hello. Um, and now that we're back, we're gonna keep going with the interview. So, I've already listed Tiara's um, skills. <laughs> the billions. Of so things, so many skills, <laughs> but um, I'm just going to shorten the question down. Um, so now you have all these skills. Can you speak about the obstacles you've experienced in the journey to gain employment? Oh, I mean, you're, you have God. all of these, you know. Oh my God! Okay, I could list them if <laughs> listeners are. No, curious. no. Well, well, I mean, you, you mentioned a lot of them earlier mm. in the interview, so. But yeah, the biggest, biggest singular obstacle I've had in gaining employment has to be visas. Visas, okay. So I, after I grad, I came to Brisbane as an international student, and after I graduated, I applied for permanent residency. And so when you apply for permanent residency, or any sort of like really long term visa, <laughs> they give you a bridging visa, which yeah. theoretically lets you stay here. I mean, the the base thing is that you they let you stay here, and yeah. then like. Some there's like five different versions, and my version theoretically, you work. Realistically, no one will hire you. That's true. That's right. Yeah. Because no one knows what the visa is. They're like, oh, but is that? Can you work on it? Yes, 
it says here. No, but but <laughs> when does this visa expire? I don't know when immigration gets back to me about my application. Oh, but what if they kick you out? Like, we'll get across that bridge. So, you know, we're just like this non-stop rejection. <laughs> and I think part of why it looks like I do so much is that the only thing I could do were really short-term projects. Mm-hmm. Like, re- like, I couldn't even get, like, freaking coals or... Woolies or something. Somebody said Walmart was a different country. But like, you know, because they were they were nary. And so people are like, oh, you should stop being an artist, get a day job. Like, I can't even get a day job. That's how, like, mm. difficult it was. Mm. And I think be- I've o- I got permanent residency fairly recently, like, in the last four years. But I've only been back in Australia the last couple of years. And I'm still playing catch up a lot. Mm. Especially here in Australia where they value local experience. Local names. It's yeah, very local strange. Names, local experience sort of more than international stuff yeah and so i often get like oh you don't have specific enough experience so you didn't do like x many years in this organization and like i have tried my best with the limitations put on me and please don't keep punishing me for a a decision that wasn't really mine have you noticed that they don't really prioritize education either not in the way the u.s or the uk does it's the opposite Okay. Here, I found that a lot of places, and this is like in the creative industries a lot of the time. Okay. A lot of places will not even look at you if you don't have like a very particular certificate or a very particular degree. So mm. my creative industries degree was a liability because of like, what is creative industries? Mm. What is interdisciplinary degree? You don't have a cert for in this highly specific thing. Even if I had the experience to show I could do the thing. Mm. Whereas in the US, when I was did my master's there in... San Francisco and I did an extra year to look for work and stuff and I found there they cared less about your visa they cared less about your specific degree or experience they were just more like I got way more interviews there unfortunately Mm. I couldn't get a job that sponsored me in time yeah it's like all this weird kind of time restrictions on things so I had to leave the country and now Trump's in power, so probably blessing these guys. But like in the US, at least in the San Francisco Bay Area, they were much more open to mm. whatever you brought to the table. Whereas here in Australia, it was always like you have to be highly specifically this. <laughs> and I don't know how much of it is because, oh, also you have a brown name for the foreign country passport. Like I don't even put my last name on applications anymore. Wow, really? Yeah, because I was like, sounds too ethnic. They're probably going to ask me if I know English, you know? <laughs> Um, in relation to that, um, I read on your website, I actually read on an article you wrote that, um, Channel 10, um, the show Can of Worms, tried to get you on a panel called, Is It Okay to Be a Little Bit Racist? Can you <laughs> oh, speak about God. this? Oh, God. Okay. So I was in the US at this point. So I'd already been in the US, like, maybe about a year, year and a half at this point. So I do not know how Channel 10 found me. Like, they Google search angry brown woman in Australia and found out. I don't know. I don't know how they found me. But they emailed me and said, oh, so we're doing, we're from a show called Kind of Worms. And we'd like to invite you on a panel called, is it okay to be lit racist? And I was like, what the hell? And so I looked up who was going to be on the panel already. And it was all white comedian guys. Yeah. And so I was going to be the only person who wasn't a guy, who wasn't white, who wasn't a comedian. (laughs) And I basically just yelled at them. Like, I said, um, A, I'm in the U.S. right now and will be for a while. So I highly that you're going to pay for my airfare to fly back to Sydney for this one show. Secondly, it's a bit fucked up that you're going to talk about racism. (laughs) And you're only going to have me as a one person of color. I know you're setting me up. 
Yeah. I'm very sure that's why you picked me. You're going to set me up to be the pat to be like the killjoy SGW. Mm. And if you you if you want this to be a working show, I suggest you pick like I found like a couple of other people in Australia who talk about racism. It's like you might as well diversify your panel. No. And you I just never the heard job. back did. from them ever again. You uh, did their job for them. <laughs> Because I was just so pissed off. Like, oh my God, seriously. I forgot what is to get at the panel. I just never heard back. So, mm. I think the panel happened because I remember looking it up. Like, did they ever do this show? And they did. But, yeah. Interesting. Um, I'm going to skip to the next question, um, which is, you had another article called How, How to Travel on a Third World Passport. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I can totally relate to this because I'm Sri Lankan and the structural and bureaucratic barriers that prevent our movement are hard and humane. Oh, God, Many people yes. are oblivious to this, especially white people who are incredibly privileged. Like, I had a Norwegian <laughs> boyfriend who was like, oh, my life goal is to travel. And I was like, I just can't. <laughs> I can't even do that. See, like, okay, so my Bangladeshi family and I think it might be a thing in our family tree. We travel a lot. Mm. So my first flight was literally when I was 40 days old. Oh, wow. So I, you know, but we, I used to be on a Bangladesh passport for most of my life. And that thing, you need visas to breathe. <laughs> like you need visas. I think it's steadily gotten worse um, in the past 10 oh, years. Yeah. It used to be a little bit easier because we were part of the Commonwealth. Um, well, I mean, I never the visas were a lot easier to get. Now the visas are incredibly hard. It's very oh, um, God, bureaucratic, yeah. and that's what stops people from moving and from travel. People of color from moving. Yeah, and, and then the like world. this whole like after nine eleven, things got extremely worse. Absolutely, yeah. Like I used to be able to go to Singapore. I live next door to Singapore, and I used to go there without a visa, you know, because it's right there. And then I, we needed a visa, and Singapore was really strict on visas. Like you couldn't get a visa just to hang out. It'd be for business reasons or health reasons. It's very complicated. But yeah. um... Uh, family were big travelers and traveling was very important to us and we have relatives around the world and so we persevered we made that a priority I ended up being really really good about applying for visas all the paperwork and you know when I applied to be a student in Australia depending on what country your passport is from the process is yeah, easier or harder yeah. for you like even though I was a Malaysian permanent resident, I've be, since become a citizen, but it's a whole other mess. Mm. But like, even though I was like born and raised in Malaysia, educated in Malaysia, for all practical purposes, might as well be Malaysian. I couldn't get a student visa as a Malaysian. They're like, no, your passport's Bangladeshi, you apply as a Bangladeshi. What that meant is, instead of two weeks online, three months pre-visa, yeah. with every financial document known to man, yeah. and a medical exam. A me- the medical exam is oh, hor- horrible. They do a, can- a breast cancer test on you. Did they Not do that? for me. I had to do go through a breast oh cancer test. I was, I was 17. Wow. Um, and all these like urine samples, and oh, blood yeah. tests. Yeah, I had to do the medical <laughs> test twice for my PR, like one in the beginning, one yeah. at the end. And I'm like, I'm sure the Australian government can clone me now. <laughs> on top of that, when I, I was trying to go to the UK for my year on exchange and um, they were like, you have a Sri Lankan passport, but you've lived in Australia for the past two years. You don't have to do a TB test. This is tuberculosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Australia's safe. You know, everyone's clean. Everyone's healthy. It's fine. Just come through. And I found that really strange. Like if I'd applied from Sri Lanka, whole different oh, story. God. Yeah, yeah. Because I applied from here. And because I proved that I lived here for two years, it was a, you know, I was more privileged. I found that really, really strange. Yeah, I have a Malaysian passport now and oh my God, it's so much easier. Yeah. I can go to Europe whenever the hell I want. Yeah. Or you don't have to prove your identity or get all the I mean, I still sort of have to do it sometimes. Really? 
you know, the like Muslim country passport. What oh, is your name? But okay. it's it's less of a hassle. It really now. is less it's, of a hassle with visas. But the only thing I miss is that at least the visas were pretty. And you have like these cute little stickers in yeah. your passport. And I don't do that anymore because it's all very electronic. Like, oh. You can still get them to stamp your passport, you know. So you have Some countries, yeah. Even yeah. though Malaysia has the first electronic passport in the world, not oh. a lot of countries will let you use the scanner, which is annoying. Interesting, interesting. Um, get on it. So now we have our next... Uh, now we have our next song, which is I Loved You So Long by Rudy Lewis. Um, yeah, we'll talk. We'll be back soon on Queering the Air. Pansy? Aha! Pansexual. Knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope... Only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Hello, you're listening to Queering the Air. Today we've got Creatix Tiara and um, it's a feature on her. Back to the interview. So... Um, can you speak about your struggles, not in terms of employment, but as a queer artist? Uh, what problems have you encountered? If you could stick them to race, that would be great. Stick them to race, well, uh, we want to talk about the, ra- we, the we, we really want to talk about the racial problems you encounter, especially as a queer artist, and what strategies you have um, developed to progress and push through in the creative sector. We talked about elbowing your way in. Oh, um, yeah. Can you? Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people are. Not really sure how to get started. Don't really have the confidence. We want to know what it's actually like. Right. I mean, sort of my biggest problem more has to do with the bridging visa. Also, not letting me allow, uh, apply for grants or any yeah. sort of funding. So that I think that's been like the most annoying factor. And people still obsessed about getting the government to fund things. Even though I'm here going, please widen your funding sources so that people like me who can't because of a technicality can apply. Mm. or get some money when we already have so much barriers. But that's like a whole rant I could go on for an hour about <laughs> the state of arts funding. Um, as far as, like, queerness and race, what I found, like, what was when I was in Brisbane, especially, a little less in Melbourne because there's a bigger community here, but when I was in Brisbane, there were hardly any other people of color especially queer people of color Mm. like i would see more of them as fellow international students when i was at uni but they don't get very well integrated with local people especially if you're kind of left of center Mm. because i think this is like you know partly because international students don't feel comfortable enough engaging in politics because your visa might get canceled or absolutely your home country might decide not to keep you so I can understand why they stay away but and also like local people just don't understand what's happening like I, ha- I ran for student guild in QUT and I had to tell them look we don't qualify for central link so stop using that as a marketing ploy <laughs> <laughs> wow. you can't help without central link because we don't get any but yeah as far as artistry goes you know being the only queer person of color to the point that when the Brisbane radical activists organized an anti-racist meeting I was the only non-white person there 
that gets wow. isolating very, very quickly. And I made a quip earlier about being exiled from the burlesque scene here. And that was because mostly because I was a very outspoken person of color talking about racism in the scene. Like, not just cultural appropriation, but just straight up, like, misreading people or mm. racist content. And the people who were running the scene just did not like how outspoken I was and blackballed me. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so, you know, that's been, like, a, a struggle, like, losing out from these spaces and these opportunities because I stick out. Not only do I stick out, I also am very outspoken about sticking out. Interesting. Um, when you're with, you know, other non-coloured people <laughs> or white people, I <laughs> Do they expect you to be like them or are they, do they just, um, it sounds like they kind of attack any kind of difference. I mean, it really depends on, on the group. Like what I found actually pretty interesting and maybe weirder than people would expect is that a lot of queer people of color circles can themselves also be very cliquish and exclusionary in some ways. Okay. And I think a lot of that is that as an, they don't quite know what to do with adult migrants a lot of the time. So a lot of the discussion ends up being like, oh, we grew up as minorities in a white country. And therefore, that kind of dictates a lot of what we do. Whereas someone like me, who came from technically a person of color country, even though I was still a racial minority there and dealt with racism over there, we don't quite easily fit in that kind of narrative. And so our politics maybe differ by like a, a percent, but that's enough to confuse people. Yeah. Whereas I think with with the white people I associate with, at that point, you already kind of accept that you're different somehow. And like the ones I still keep company with accept my, you know, angry brown womanness. Yeah. So it's fine. But it does have to be kind of like a, per- it ends up being like a person on person thing. What can they do apart from that to really help migrants get more involved in the arts like as a as a white person because the majority of australia is still white right and they are the ruling majority as well (laughs) right um i would say talk uh, think about the structural stuff like you know i talk a lot about bridging visas and the restrictions on your ability to apply for funding your ability to get jobs your ability to really progress your career in a way that lots of locals take for granted Mm -hmm. and you have voting power we don't have voting power so advocate for us yeah really and you know help use your privilege and your access to resources to create spaces or support spaces Mm. sort of migrants like me don't have to start clawing at anything that would vaguely take us to get anywhere interesting it sounds like you want if a white person wants to actually help they should be having more discussions or discourse to raise awareness and not then, just this course, but actually do something practical about it. Like and then talk acting to your, on that awareness. Yeah. yeah to, uh, talk to your politicians about it. Talk to your community about it. Make things, you know. Don't just be like, oh, that's that's really interesting. Clap, that's clap, so clap. And then like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's disconcerting. Um, so Tiara is performing at the Melbourne Fringe Festival. Her performance is called Creatics Tiara, Queer Lady Magician. Ah, yes. Aha, uh-huh, indeed. This is about revisiting a childhood love with a strong sense of social justice and a severe case of imposter syndrome. It is produced as part of Women's Circus, Still I Rise Fringe Mentorship 2018. Please tell us a little bit about this. So, magic was my childhood passion. And we're going to talk about interdisciplinary art. Um, but, you know, it was the one thing I was obsessed with 
my pa- my dad was also a big magic fan, so we'd watch magic shows together. I would get magic kits as a kid, you know, the usual. And then I did a show as a teenager for a school thing, and it went, it fell flat. And I just never really did much with magic ever again. Like aside from a couple of excursions into it in recent years, I never like really thought about it. But then in the last year or so, I started thinking like, ooh, what if I tried magic again? Like, what if I? you know grow my performance world to explore this because it's been a while and everyone i talked to was like oh my god a queer lady magician idea that sounds amazing please do it because magic is still very white cis yeah, straight nom- heteronormative male dominated and i'm like oh my god i never hear about a queer lady magician effect so i thought okay so i didn't know whim and i got i suddenly got this group of people who are interested in doing it and then i applied for the woman circus still arise mentorship which like Gives you a little bit of funding. It pays for your fringe fees. They also give you like a lot of rehearsal venue support, production support. And they accepted it. It's like, okay, this is a thing now. <laughs> so I've been like writing a show that's part stage magic, but also like interested in looking at it in a queer context, in a feminist context. And it's also become a story about, it's very meta. It's about me feeling like I'm a fraud for trying to do something I haven't done in decades and weathering, oh no, am I appropriating magic now? Yeah. You know, am I, even though magic has a history of cultural appropriation, am I lying to people even though magic is kind of about deception? You know, all of this like personal angst coming in with me trying to use magic as social commentary and who am I to talk really? Yeah. So it's, it sounds interdisciplinary and multidisciplinary, if you yes. know what I mean. All, all of so the much, things. So much, so many. It's it's very intersectional. <laughs> yeah, like Mama terms, Alto, who you were, yeah, 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 Mama Alto, who you were playing earlier. Like we're hanging out at her house over New Year's Eve, and we were talking about it. And she said, "It sounds like you're trying to decolonize magic." Interesting. Like, wow. Yeah, like I didn't think about that that way, but that's a good idea, and I'm gonna steal it. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, it sounds like you're just wondering what shall I decolonize next." I know magic. Yeah, just pick one out of the hat. Like instead of a rabbit, here's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, do you have any other events or performances or things we can look out for? Um, so there is a podcast called the Love and Luck Podcast which is this really cute uh, queer love story where everything's told via voicemails. Wow. And it's available online now, and I'm going to play a character in it for season two, which is only going to come out like next year or so, but they, I'm going to play someone who is who is deemed like a very smooth butch lesbian. Cool. Which feels like I'm not as smooth as this person is. <laughs> so I don't know why I got this role. But that's going to be fun. And yeah, and then the Queer Lady Magician Project is a thing and I'm also helping with the Free Play Festival which is an independent games festival that happens in Melbourne mm. in the middle of the year so I'm in the committee for that busy 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 um, yes. where can we find you online so you have a website which I, I do a website read yeah. and I was like wow so much is going on here you also have social media handles especially yes. Twitter yes you can find me on anywhere on the internet as Creatrix Tiara so C-R-E-A-T-R-I-X T-I-A-R-A like the thing on your head uh, com. I'm on Twitter also as CreatrixTiara on Facebook also as CreatrixTiara my Tumblr is a different name but if you look at my website you figure out what it is we just want to touch upon your LinkedIn you do have oh one, my god <laughs> <laughs> why I mean I have a LinkedIn because everyone's supposed to have a LinkedIn if you're looking for work I'm not like super active on it I just keep it to update my resume when I need to apply for a job it's just a but sure you can find me on LinkedIn and <laughs> we're just going to put me a job Another CSA 
This is Natalie from Blue King Brown and you're listening to 3CR. Support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Donate now by calling 9419 8377. Or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. Jail black males in Australia nationally at a rate five times greater than apartheid South Africa jailed black males in 1993. The suicide and self-harm rates are the highest in the world and the life expectancy gap is the biggest in the first world. You know, Australians don't like hearing the truth about how bad things are, but the more we resolve from it, the longer this is going to continue. Black fella, white fella, it doesn't matter what you colour. Mainstream media is not interested in this stuff. It doesn't find space to talk truthfully and deeply about issues that affect all Australians. The only place predominantly you will find that with any real depth is on community radio, and 3CR has been one of the great leaders in that. So if people are wondering where they should spend their hard-earned cash, I would suggest 3CR is a bloody good place to start. What your name is, we got the hell. Lots of changes, we need more brothers. We're just going to announce some upcoming events now. Um, I've chosen the Noble Savage Book Club, held at Afro Club, which is a monthly book club for people of colour that focuses on black literature. On the 25th of March, next Sunday, the club is gathering together to discuss Common People by Tony Birch. The event runs from 1 to 4pm and has a Facebook event, so everyone go check that out. Iris, you had an event as well. Yeah, um, so I had the... Don't Frack Aboriginal Land Rights um, protest held by SEED. Um, and so a description of that is the people of the Northern, Northern Territory urgently need our help to protect country and water from dangerous gas and field fracking. Right now the Territory Government is deciding whether to allow gas companies to frack up groundwater and country endangering, endangering precious and sacred water systems or to ban the practice for good. Together we can show them that the whole country is watching and that we all stand in solidarity with NT mob who don't want this on their land and who want to stop the dangerous climate impacts from shale fracking impacting their future. Join us at the Melbourne Snap Rally to ensure that the NT government bans fracking for good. And so yeah, that's um, Wednesday the 21st of March at 10am. Yes, we don't like that feedback, do we? Um... At Federation Square um, in the CBD. Yeah. And another thing that's coming up is the Stormwolf Games. And that's at the beginning of next month. And 3CR has a few things they're doing for that. And there's T-shirts and tote bags that are available for Stormwolf Games that are going to help send a team of broadcasters up um, so 3CR can cover the Stormwolf Games. And... So, yeah, for more backgrounds, um, so the worries of Aboriginal resistance, the Brisbane sort of 
um, group of that have sort of initiated a a protest on the Commonwealth Games because of the ongoing injustice and genocide Indigenous people face in this country. And Australia is the only Commonwealth country that doesn't have a treaty. Yeah. Okay. You can find our podcast at 3cr.org.au slash Queering the Air. Thank you so much for listening in. Next, um, we've got two more songs coming up. Um, and we'll just start. Yeah, and we sh- yeah. And thanks for Tiara for coming in. Oh, and like, yeah, thank you so much. Such an amazing... Ah, thanks for having me. This was fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably have you back again. Um, maybe for like a South Asian kind of thing. Ooh, we'll see how it goes. Um, I really want to talk more about South Asian voices and identities oh, in the oh, arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going to play some songs now? Yeah, we're going to play Natural Woman by K8 and... Um, that was Khalid with Natural Woman. Um, and now we've got our final song coming up, which is um, Yo Yo by Two Steps of the Two Steps on the Water. But and stay tuned to th- um, to Three CR Community Radio because next up we have Hip Sister Hot. Excellent. Thanks again, Tiara. No worries. Thanks for having me. Goodbye. We'll be having Tiara, Creatics Tiara again, um, but we'll have to announce that. Okay. I'll just show up randomly. <laughs> when your face. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.